There has been so much misinformation put out from some of these crazy Karens. Blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. <laughs> we have the mother. This is obviously the missing mother. And we have the child. And they just poof, disappeared. It was how he was not only going to kill me, but how he was going to kill my husband. And the race was on. You are listening to an exclusive episode of The Clown Files with Philip and Carol. And a good afternoon, morning, or evening, whatever you're doing. Maybe it's in the middle of the night, you can't sleep. Welcome to The Klein Files. Hi. And that's Caroline Gear, Vice President, Chief Cook, and Bottle Washer of the entire building. I feel that way now. I do it all. You're in a bad mood today. Get out of I'm it. I'm in a bad mood. Just get out of it. There's no reason to have negative karma in this oh. office. I sound like I'm from California, don't I? Yeah, you kind of do. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Klein Files. We are, I, I want to say something personal here real quick. We are so sorry that we are behind on podcasts. Uh, we're going to get back up to speed here real quick. Uh, we had... Uh, it's been a busy summer, though. I know, I know, and I've been traveling so damn much. And I've, We've I'm, all been traveling. We've all been uh, doing things that... I know. I require know. not being in the office. Couple of successes. We brought a child home. Nineteen hours. Nineteen hours. Wasn't bad. Uh, police turned it down, but we'll talk about that here in just a minute. I just kind of get you all caught up to what's going on around here in this beautiful July in Southeast Texas. Uh, hot. It's hot. So hot. Hundred and ten degrees the other day. Tuesday. Mm, just miserable. Tuesday. When did I go cut grass? yesterday no, no it was tuesday tuesday, tuesday. Right, tuesday. Was tuesday yeah tuesday tuesday of this week that would have been july whatever uh anyway um i just i got mad didn't i, I just finally said that's enough and i got in my own car and i went up to uh, a property that we own up there and got on the big old tractor and put my headsets on and baked away in the 110 degree weather and uh, cut grass and it was fun it was nice it was the first time i'd been away and I don't know how many days, uh, or actually weeks, right? Three weeks. I bet. I mean, it was just, you know, it was just, it was just craziness. And so anyway, I, I had the opportunity to get up there and cut some grass and had to get it done. And it's done. Looks great. And, uh, machines all ran, everything went good. So it was kind of one of those weird days, but anyway, um, I want to talk, I want to talk about a few things today. Um, and I know a lot of you are sitting there on the edge of your seat uh, thinking about the Thomas Brown case and litigation and all that other good stuff. The only thing I can, I, I'm permitted to talk about by my lawyers and, of course, the state of Texas Department of Public Safety right now is that we are material witnesses in a criminal investigation at this point. Um, and I can't say who, can't say from, can't say with, I can't say anything, but I can say that we are material witnesses in the investigation. Pretty much everybody in the office, right? It, yeah, I guess. And uh, yeah. And so we've been asked not to say anything publicly. So that's why you're seeing on our Facebook page and Instagram and whatever the hell y'all got over there on the other side of the building. Um, 
we're not, we're just not talking about it, folks. It's just, it's just not going to happen. We're not going to talk about it. And so we'll let the lawyers and we'll let the investigators on the criminal investigators and we'll let the, the courts do their thing. We're just not going to talk about it anymore. We're just going to keep our mouths shut and, and just go on and do our job and our business that we have to do. So, you know, I know a lot of you have uh, emailed this office and I know a lot of you have attempted to contact us wanting to know what's going on. Uh, we just, uh, we just don't have anything to say. That's it. So, okay. Door number two, uh, is the Dior Coons case. Correct. Mm -hmm. It is. And, uh, we're making it, uh, official or you made it official this morning, uh, to the public that we are back involved with the Dior Coons case. Uh, we have a client, uh, and, uh, it's the same deal as before. We're not asking for anybody to pay us other than our travel expenses and our, uh, you know, all those sundry expenses that we have to spend to get up there. Um, folks, we, um, we have begun the investigation. Couple well, I, of, I think it needs to be made clear. That go ahead. The sudden coming out of the investigation because of the lawsuit. So what we're, what our purpose is getting back into this case is to complete the search areas in which we did not or were not able to complete because of the lawsuit that is now dismissed. I think that's important. I mean, we know we're not going to talk to the parents. We don't want anything to do with the parents. They can't be truthful. They've been caught lying. We, we don't want anything to do with them. Right. And, and this, this misnomer that my staff tells me about, and correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, uh, the mother's mother, which be the grandmother of Dior, little Dior, uh, he, uh, she's running around saying what we're doing is illegal. And uh, what, what is it? To oh, well, she's talking about, from my understanding, I don't know if, it, if that came from her or somebody that was asking the right. question, um, about the t-shirt. So we did start a, um, t-shirt fundraiser campaign. And for anyone out there curious, it is not illegal to have a t-shirt fundraiser campaign. It is not. And we all the taxes to, and all the liabilities are already paid for out. by, is, is paid for it's by all, our, our t-shirt company. Anyways, it's pointless to even go into it. I mean, it's it. just you stupidity. Come after us, go for it. Yeah. yeah it is what Follow it is. Suit. We know what we're doing. We're not stupid. We don't have to have some foreign or Idaho foreign trade license. It's just That's not stupid. how it works. I don't know who comes up with this stuff. But anyway, uh, we don't have to have all that. It's just t-shirts. If you buy a t-shirt, and they're cool t-shirts, by the way. Where did you post that so we can? It's on our Facebook page. On the Facebook page. <clears throat> and if you um, if you look on the Facebook page, you'll see uh, the t-shirts. They're really kind of cool, I think. Uh, when they brought the art in to me to look at, I... I I like it. I mean, I think it's nice. And, and, and what it does folks is you can buy a t-shirt, show your support to not the family, to not the grandmother, to not anybody. You can show your support to a missing child, Dior Coons. And it's all about Dior. That's what I think, you know, going, going into the, um, case, us jumping back into it. It's not about any particular family member other than, the child and locating the remains because we believe he is deceased. And we've made that very clear. Now here's where we're going to go with this. Um, 
in 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 our conversations with law enforcement. We're going to go quiet. We're not going to do what we did last time when keep the public in tune about what we're doing, where we're doing it, how we're doing it, you know, all the other good stuff. We are going to kind of stealth it. We're not going to tell you where we are, what we're doing. Uh, if we've got something to say, we'll say it. Uh, probably through Nate Eaton, who we just absolutely think is maybe one of the best media people that we have met in a very, very long time. He's up there at East Oda, East Idaho News. Uh, you like Nate, don't you? Yeah. I mean, the whole crew, I pulled the whole crew and everybody's like, yeah, we love Nate. Nate's great. He tells the story. So we're going to go silent. There's not going to be any media following us. There's not going to be any of that. Um, we probably might say something if law enforcement approves, uh, but I doubt it real seriously. Uh, you know, uh, Steve Penner up there uh, is, is a great law enforcement officer. We just love the guy. Uh, we think he's the best. And uh, of course the, uh, sheriff down in, in the sheriff's office down in, uh, Idaho falls. They're just, uh, they're great too. So we're looking forward to seeing them. Uh, if they want to join us up there, we have a few dogs that, uh, uh, as you know, Trey Sargent, who is, I think the best dog handler in the United States. I don't know if you agree with me, Caroline, but I, I think she is. I do. Uh, and, uh, there's a new dog we're going to be bringing up there. That dog's name is Taz. <laughs> Never met him. You can't make it up, but anyway, it's Taz. Uh, and the reason, uh, Trace named him Taz is the little Tasmanian devil. Uh, I was out at the, uh, I told you that story. I was out at the dog, uh, center up there in Georgia, uh, a while back and Taz was a little trainee. And they were showing me how they train him. And uh, Taz is just a beautiful, beautiful animal. It just, I mean, yeah, no, he's got a big smile on his face. He loves what he does. He loves Trace. Uh, and he's, 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 uh, he's not like Draco. Draco's kind of stays to himself. And of course, Chance, I don't know how anybody can outdo Chance. Chance is still up there, but Chance is slowly moving into retirement. And I understand Trace found a couple more bodies up there, um, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. Yes, yeah, she did. And, and and so congratulations to Trace again. Uh, we're very proud to be associated with Trace. She's just, I don't know, she's just the best. And she has her own podcast, right? Uh, and we'll link that podcast in ours. I think she she did, yeah. I think she took a little hiatus right now, but. Right. She She's a few episodes, so we'll link those. We'll link those episodes and that'll be good. So there you go. That's your update on some of the major cases. Um, there is one um, that I I need to recognize. I don't think we recognize it as we, we work on it. We're working with the U.S. Marshals out of Dallas, Texas on this one. It's the Eaton Blassen game case. Uh, Eaton was a very young child, three, four years old, 10 years ago. So now he's up in his teens and I'm sure he's got a device and I'm sure he's got, he listens and we don't know what Eaton's been told, but Eaton is still missing out of Kuala Lumpur, uh, Malaysia. Uh, and um, we get tips every once in a while. We have a new website that's going to be coming up uh, to, to talk directly to Eaton uh, we're also going to do some Facebook work uh, for those in Malaysia, kind of 
doing exposure in, in Malaysia. Um, you know, this is the case where dad came over to pick up for the visitation and got the child and drove down to Mexico city, which was stupid in the first place. I think our second podcast episode covers all yeah, the details on yeah. this. Yeah. And then stole the, uh, stole the truck and sold the truck and got on an airplane and, and flipped over, uh, to, uh, let's see, Germany. And then from Germany down to, uh, God, Taiwan and Taiwan over into Indonesia. And it's just, uh, it's just, he's on the no fly list. Number one, but number two, he has a red notice with Interpol. And, and like we keep saying, it's a matter of time before, um, the blessing game father and, and the son, uh, are caught. Uh, this is again, one of the long cases that we have in this office and, uh, it's really kind of frustrating, but we'll get through it. So there you go. Anyway. So, um, one of the things that I talk about, and this is the crux of this podcast today, uh, a lot is I have a lot of females, males, and people that come into this office and hire our firm to attempt to locate and find out who is harassing them. Now we've had a previous podcast talking about this, but I, you know, after that podcast was over, I kind of felt like I didn't give you guys what it's like to be a victim of doxing and harassment on the internet. And we here at the review, and I can talk about this now because I've been cleared by the FBI uh, and the Arizona state uh, police um, to talk about it. We don't really and didn't like really talking about this firm having a stalker. And we did have a stalker. His name was Thomas Retzloff out of uh, El Mirage, uh, Cal, uh, El Mirage uh, Arizona in the Phoenix area. And then we also had an attorney out of Houston by the name of Jeffrey Durrell. And there was a lot of chatter on the Internet when this all went down last October. But basically, I want to I want to kind of give the inside of it from through my eyes and my perspective and Caroline's perspective, too, because she was innocently attacked, um, as well as everybody else in this company was attacked by this gentleman. His name, again, was Thomas Retzloff. Now, let's talk a little bit about the attorney first. Attorneys are are held under a canon of ethics and they take it kind of seriously. Um, but remember when you get attorneys that write attorney's rules and regulations and all the other good stuff, uh, they tend to kind of circle the wagons and protect their own. Now everybody can say, Oh no, they don't No, They don't. Yes, they do. Been doing this 37 years, folks. And I'm telling you, they protect their own, which is, Okay. I mean, sometimes you got to protect your own. Um, I've seen it in the investigation business, but in the legal business, you know, attorneys will pr protect attorneys because you never know when you're going to be the next person that's going to be focused on. So let's talk, let's take on Jeffrey Durrell first. Jeffrey Durrell uh, happened to grow up right across the Sabine River from us. 
many years ago, went to a high school called Bider High School. He went over to the oil business, was semi-successful, decided he was going to go to law school, went to the University of Houston Law Center, and then he graduated with his uh, degree. He went back to work for the oil sector, made some money uh, as a uh, as an attorney in the oil business, which they paid pretty good back then in the 90s and early 2000s. And then he decided he'd go out on his own. Our paths crossed Darrell's paths when a, a doxing website, I guess we could say, showed up on the internet uh, when I began to represent um, a bunch of ladies from the Southeast Texas area that and we call it the Texan case, T-E-X-X-A-N case. In that case, um, the crux of the case was we were trying to discover who these men were that were putting pictures up of their ex-girlfriends or ex-wives on the internet, and of course, naked pictures. Because remember, cell phones and smartphones were just coming into, what do you want to say, into, into vogue. Uh, and so... These girls, we started off with one, and it ended up being, do I want to say 24, 25? No, it ended up being 32 girls. 32 girls. 32 women who joined a joint lawsuit. FBI got involved. We worked directly with them regarding trying to expose who these boys were. And it was a scam site. It was, it's just basically this. Uh, boy take picture of girl. Uh, boy and girl get mad at each other and break up. Boy and girl breakup girl gets a call one day hey you got naked pictures up on this texan site so they would uh make contact with the quote webmaster of texan they'd pay five hundred dollars to get their picture down and once their picture would come down about two three days later would go back up and the proprietor of the website would say hey um, you know, uh, somebody else submitted it. So we had to accept it. And so it's $500 more by the time some of these girls got to us, some of them had spent close to, oh, probably 4,000 to $5,000 getting their pictures down. And then this is $500 per picture. That's just not $500 to get their image down. That's $500 per picture. So once, um, they hired us, we began to investigate and we found two people involved. Uh, the first person was Thomas Retzloff. He was involved. He was providing the platform and he was expanding uh, his insights from Texan in Texas to Nevada, Arizona, California. And it was the same MO. Each time it was the same MO. The MO was take a picture, put it up there, bait them, have them call you to try to take it down, uh, charge them $500. This is a multi, multi-million dollar business he had going. Second one was a guy named Hunter down here in Southeast Texas in the, in the County of Orange. And he was the, what we call the facilitator. Uh, he was the salesman. He'd go out and tell all these guys at the plants and everywhere else, hey guys, you know, you know, we'll put that bitch's picture up on the, on the, on the website. And I know a guy that can do it. And sure enough, they did. Uh, I don't know how much Hunter got paid. The FBI would never tell us, but this whole thing morphed into what we call revenge porn. 
And revenge porn wasn't big. Revenge porn was, was what would you want to say, Caroline? Birthed in, um, in Jefferson County, Texas, I would say, uh, with these women, yes. I mean, I think it was all over, but yes, it, it got popular between California and Texas. Right. And so, um, so once this was birthed, uh, we, be, we, we got into a position with our website that was dedicated against me and we filed a thing called a 202 lawsuit. Now a 202 lawsuit is simply this. It is not really a lawsuit. It is a, Hey judge, we are wanting to get through a little bit of discovery before we file the main lawsuit. May we have permission to a subpoena things be um be able to do depositions and get this information together to make sure that our information is right before we file a lawsuit well jeffrey durrell showed up and this is a very big pivotal moment around here for our company durrell showed up and he came in and he put me on the witness stand and i'll be honest i didn't do well uh i was very quiet answered the questions just like the attorneys told me to answer them. Uh, but he did ask me a question. He said, Mr. Klein, were you, 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 you were featured on Dateline, were you not? Yep. Was it one of the most popular uh, shows Dateline had had to date? Oh, yeah, I was in the top five. Okay. Uh, did they dedicate a whole hour to you in a case? Yes, they did. What about CNN and Fox and all these other places that – I did, you know, Good Morning London and uh, Good Morning Australia and all this other crap. Uh, and so you were you you were interviewed by all these people, yes. And then he whipped around. I'll never forget it. Whipped around, looked right at the judge, and said, "Your Honor, no matter what anybody says about Mr. Klein he, under New York Times versus Sullivan, right, and which declares people public people." Uh, because of certain criteria, one of them is TV, radio, uh, you know, all the other good stuff that comes with it, newspapers. And he had a stack of stuff on me. I didn't realize I'd done all those interviews, but I guess I did. And so the judge was forced to declare me a public person. What does that mean? Well, when you're a public person, that means that anybody can say anything they want to about you and you being the victim can't do anything about it. Remember Matt Lauer, remember Katie Couric, remember all these people that New York Times used to write about. And, and anyway, so the long story short on that is I was the, the courts then d declared me a public person. Now, what does that do for me? Well, that means that I've, I, I'm left with no recourse at all, except if you accuse me of a crime perjury, lying, uh, under oath, uh, lying, you know, whatever I am now, I am now a public person. So as a public person, the, you can call me, um, a wet noodle. There's nothing I can do about it. You can accuse me of lying about an interview. There's nothing you can do unless it was sworn. There's nothing I can do about it. I mean, people can say anything they want. So I accepted that and moved on. In the middle of all this, all of a sudden, here comes these three, four, five websites directed directly at me. And it was a uh, it was an attempt to hurt my 
reputation. And in the midst of all that, these poor little girls got wrapped, wrapped up in all that. And we got, for the girls, they won their case. The website was taken over by the FBI. Uh, and as well as one of my websites was taken over by the FBI. And um, that is where we first met the guy, Thomas Retzloff. Now, he was out of San Antonio, Texas, had a long extended history of uh, had a long extended history of 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 uh, of issues with um, law enforcement. Uh, what would you say, Carolina? Uh, pedophilia uh, raided his house. Uh, he's just he he was just a menace. Well, Darrell at the same time was using him to go after me. So he would, had created all those websites. He was getting fed information from a group of lawyers here in Southeast Texas, which that's not over yet. Basically, Retzloff was, he was using Retzloff as a cover for whoever is behind it here in our own. In area. Southeast Texas. Now, that's the base of it. Now, that's bad, right? That's bad. I mean, because, you know, your reputation is all you got in the world, right? You, you can walk around and say, I don't care. I don't give a shit. I don't do this. I don't do that. But when your reputation goes to hell, especially in a company and legal business that I'm in, uh, it, it, it can hurt you. And it did. It, it, it hurt us for about two years. I mean, wouldn't you, about two full years, it hurt us. Then when they saw we wouldn't react, they took it a step further. And that's where Caroline comes in. And, you know, I guess, Caroline, why don't you give the, the listeners the 411 on what happened to you? Because I think it's very uh, important. I went into detail extremely um, on this situation back in our current or, or previous episode about doxing down to the details of what happened to me and my husband and our children. Um, but long story short is that, um, Retzloff followed me on a birthday party. And again, all of this is very detailed. You can go back to our previous episode and listen to it. Um, and threatened to basically kill me and my husband and our children. And so once that happened, we had to enact the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department and the Jefferson County District Attorney's Office. And there was a huge investigation that was spun up all the way to the FBI here in Beaumont, all the way out to Phoenix, Arizona, where he was. I guess what I'm trying to do with this podcast is not go back over the facts and details, but how, and I hate to be more liberalistic on this, but how it was and how it felt. Now, as Caroline's father, I can tell you my first reaction was, is, I wanted something done. And of course I'm in the business. So the first thing they tell you in the business, right. Is, is you can't overreact. And I didn't overreact. I stayed very calm, very cool, very collected. There were times I used to march around this office ready to kill somebody, but I, I don't, I didn't want to see my grandchildren, my daughter, her husband, who was just the greatest guy in the world, I didn't want to see that. So I'm trying to articulate my emotions as a father. And the reason I'm trying to do it, articulate my emotions is because of this. Some of you out there were picked on in school by bullies. You were bullied. I, I've been bullied before. I was a skinny little thing and 
in uh, high school and uh, turned out blossomed into a nationally ranked swimmer. Uh, but I remember before that happened, and I want to say 12, 11 years old, I was bullied tremendously, mostly by the jocks and the, the, the people that, and Houston was a tough place to grow up, let me tell you. And it was, it was just hard growing up. And, and it brought me back to those memories of, my God, uh, the feelings that I had walking into a classroom and somebody pushing me down or tripping me or, or hitting me. And it made me stronger in the end because one day I just woke up and said, I'm done with this crap. And I got this little boy with the last name stone. And he, he pulled that crap in uh, in the government class and I just decked him and beat him up till he couldn't walk anymore. And then the teacher came in and said, Whoa, 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 what do we got going here? And that was in the old days where the teachers would pick you both up and take you out behind the, behind the gym and give you boxing gloves and say, okay, finish it off. You know, you guys want to fight, let's fight. And then I beat the crap out of him that day, but I felt how satisfied I did when I walked away. And that's what, one of the things that I've done in my training as a personal protection officer is being able to keep my emotions in check. Uh, they teach you that, you know, very clearly in classes that to keep your emotions checked, but it doesn't help you when you have your daughter and of course your grandchildren that are being doxxed and being picked on. It is a very, very, very big problem for you. And so what I want to try to teach today, and let to take this podcast as a little teaching podcast is the three things that I learned about how to keep your emotions in check when you're doxxed or when you are bullied on the internet. Number one, number one, keep your emotions in check. Don't be a jerk. Don't lower yourself to their level. Just say, thank you. That's very nice. Ignore it. Don't make public comment. That's the first thing I learned. The second thing I learned is from a lady by the name of Yvette Shearer. She was my publicist out in L.A. 12 years ago. She's probably one of the best teachers of dealing with the public, little UCLA former cheerleader, a great girl. Um, we still keep in touch every once in a while. Yvette said, look, it's just what happens when you become a public person. Once the judge made that ruling, it's important for you to not only keep, number one, yourself in check, but number two, be positive. They can't handle you being positive. They're trying to throw stuff at you to get, rea get a reaction when you don't need to react. Don't react, okay? The power of positivity, I have found, is the most powerful reaction, let's say, that you can give out there. Example, Mr. Klein, we understand you broke your leg last week. Yes, I did break my week, my leg last week. It hurt bad, but man, I'm getting better every day and I'm feeling good. Or you can say, yes, I broke my leg. I'm having trouble walking. The world is horrible. I, I, I'm having trouble stepping up into a truck. I'm having trouble stepping up. I can't do you know, and go through your can't do lists. Okay. So that's just negative. That doesn't help healing. That doesn't help your employees that work under you or with you at your company. It doesn't. The more you stay positive, 
the better off you're going to be. And three and finally is don't retribute against them. A lot of people go, well, I'm going to get a website about them, or I'm going to say something on Facebook about them, or I'm going to do. Don't retribute. Again, that's called going down into their level. Don't do it. If they are really that sick where they have nothing better to do than pick on you, then that's them. That's not you. You know, my guys have some of the hardest jobs to do around here. We got to look at dead bodies from time to time. We've got to talk to people from time to time that dislike us. You know, I never forget the story when I was out in, uh, in uh, Oklahoma, in Love County. And uh, I was out talking to a guy, and it was about putting bodies in, in, in trash barrels and putting acid on them and burying them underground, and, and there's nothing left by the time you open it up. Well, that's some of that breaking bad stuff. It's not true. But I looked at this guy, and it, I was like, man, you must have done this before. You know what you're talking about. And he looked at me like he was going to kill me. And I think he was high on meth too, but he, he was, he was ready to go. He was ready to do whatever he had to do with me. And I looked at him and I said, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, buddy, but don't think about that because I'm telling you one of us is going to lose and you don't want to take the risk. It's going to be you as I had my nine millimeter in my hand next to my side and he backed down. It's all how you present yourself in situations. You know, I see these videos. What do you call them, Caroline? Karen's videos? Y'all were watching them the other day. Somebody was, Charlie was watching a Karen video the other day. And it's about a lady that, that didn't like a guy with a camera on a sidewalk. And she came out and slapped the camera out of his face. And it was like, where do you get off, lady, thinking that you can do that? It's the entitlement thing we look at. And I just, I was appalled by it. He goes, yeah, this is everywhere, Dad. I mean, it's just everywhere. And I just shook my head and said, man, I can't, I just can't believe that. Well, believe it. There are Karens everywhere. What I'm trying to say is don't be a Karen. Don't think you know more than the guy standing next to you goes back to my Washington, D.C. days. I'm standing in an elevator, going up in an elevator. And gentleman with white hair stands there and looks at me, goes, hello, how are you? I said, hi, how are you? Good to meet you. I'm a, you know, okay. And we shook hands. And, and so we didn't say each other's names. We just got up on the sixth floor. We walked off of this uh, thing. And I was, uh, I was watching him. And I was like, hmm. Anyway, he turned out to be the keynote speaker of a, of a meeting that I went to about two hours later, and uh, it turned out to be a very, very famous senator. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God, I, I rode up with him, and he was very positive. Afterwards, I walked up. I said, enjoyed it. And he goes, enjoyed the elevator ride, too. I said, yeah. And we laughed, and we talked, and, and I thought it was just such a great, I just thought it was a great thing. Um, and I guess I learned that when in my stint in government, you know, because when you're the face of the government, you can't be negative. You can't be horrible about it. But what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to give you tools today 
on how to face your enemies. Because today in facing your enemies, you could sure as hell can get your ass shot. You, you, I mean, it's very easy. I mean, uh, I tell my guys after 7 o'clock at night, I want over their shirts, I want them in their vests. I want them in, in their vests at night. I want them wearing a vest. At least it gives you a chance. Have your service weapon very nearby you. That doesn't mean get in your trunk and pull out, you know, one of the automatic 9 millimeters rifles we've got. No, don't do that. But do have your sidearm with you. Uh, the units uh, that we, our people use here, Tahoes and uh, trucks and Malibus and some of these other new ones we're testing out. Telluride is one, T- testing out Tellurides. You know, one of the things we try to do is we just try to blend in. We want to blend into the public. And so I tell them the reason we do that, because everybody says, well, you know, why should you even care? Well, I care because some people don't like cops and we're not cops. Don't want to be one. They have a hard enough job out there. Uh, I don't, I, I just, you know, it's just a tough job. So what I'm trying to say here is follow those three rules and add on the fourth. And you know what? You can fight. Facebook. You know, I love these ladies that get on Facebook and start fighting with each other. I got into our analytics the other day. I had somebody from Facebook call me and we were dealing with the situation and uh, we were trying to get some histrionic stuff from a couple of people that have been posting on the Tom Brown site. And, 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 and he was very nice to me. He said, Hey, Mr. Klein, uh, you know what your analytics are? He says, because you've got 30,000 people that follow you and you have to multiply that times five to your reach. And I was like, well, I don't know anything about that. He said, well, yeah, think about it. Look, look how many people you have. You have over 150,000 people that see your posts every time you make a post. I was thinking, oh my God, that's huge. So he said, let's look at your analytics. And I said, okay. So we called it up on the screen and guess what? 87% of the people out there that are listening to this podcast and that are, that are on our site are females. And then we started looking, okay, out of that portion that are females, what is the age ranges? And it comes up to the women between 42 and 60 years old are the ones that are reading us the most. What about posters, people that post stuff? The radical stuff is usually somebody between 25 and 35 years old. I mean, they have analytics on everything. Boys, girls, interests, how many times they've read it, the whole bit, so that we know how we can deliver information to you that's effective. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, folks, is that the the portion of the people, the portion of the people that are listening to podcasts at any one time or that are watching uh, the internet at any one time, the people that react negatively. Now, there's a difference between reacting in concern and negatively. The people that react negatively or attack Philip Klein is this, Philip Klein's, Philip Klein's a liar, Philip Klein's this, you know, whatever it may be. 
These are usually the minority, and they actually have it down to percentages. Less than 3% of the people that we interface with are what they call Karens or negative people. The 97% are either one, silent, and just watching the crazy show, or two, making legitimate questions. Hey, what if this doesn't work, what about this? That's a legitimate question. You'll see us answer those all the time. But bringing back the lesson again is, how do you deal with it so you don't end up in a negative situation on the internet? And that's what we're trying to do, is trying to help you today understand the knowledge and have the knowledge, excuse me, have the knowledge of how to react and how not to react. You can escalate things very quickly, like with a peace officer or a police officer. You know, you you get pulled over. Nobody likes to get pulled over because 97% of the time you're going to get a ticket and it's going to be a whopper and you're going to have to take time out to go pay it or you're going to have to get a tick on your on your driving record or you know whatever it may be but you're going to you're going to have to deal with it some people deal with it positively oh hey officer how are you do you know how fast you are going mm, the speed limit i thought and well, no, you weren't going the speed limit. Oh my God, what was I going? You were going 41 and a 30, 11 miles an hour over. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I didn't even realize. Wow. Don't make excuses of yourself to the officer because he's in the executive branch and he doesn't care. He's going to write you a ticket or he's not. He has discretion to either write you a ticket or not write you a ticket. Caroline's very famous around here for getting tickets, but not for speeding. She has an officer here in Jefferson County that likes to pick on her about her tinting on her car. How she reacts in the body camera footage is absolutely Harris. Oh, hi, officer. I'm not going to say his name. So-and-so, how are you? Oh, uh, hi, Caroline. Uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're tense off. Oh, well, we have an exemption. No, you don't. Okay. She didn't argue with him. Okay. I'll just take the ticket. Just take the ticket. And then we go over to the judge and he goes, you got an exemption. Why is he writing tickets? I don't know, Your Honor. Now, still, Caroline has to take time out of her busy day because she's a mother of three. She runs this place when I'm not here. And she, you know, she basically takes calls 24 hours, seven days a week. But it's her attitude with the officer, because I'm telling you, if you ever have to fight a ticket in court one day, the first thing they're going to do is pull up the dash cam or the body cam. And when they see a happy, smiling face, oh, hi, officer, how are you? Also, it gives the, the police officer something. I have I have a lot of friends of mine that I'm very close to. One is a sheriff in a county that uh, attaches to ours. And I used to, when he was a DPS trooper way long ago, he'd call me and say, hey, come on, why don't you come ride with me tonight and just see what the people are like. And I'd get in his patrol car and we'd ride and we'd pull people over you wouldn't believe how people treat these guys. I was not going 60. Well, I, I got you on the radar. When was the last time you tuned your radar? You're not giving me a ticket. Well, as a matter of fact, your back tail lights out. So you're getting a ticket for that. And I'm looking at your, at your, you know, don't make them mad. Be nice. They have a hard enough job anyway. 
just say, thank you. There's a place to argue, and that's in the court system. Remember, the executive branch files the charges. The court system uh, is, the, is the system that, that decides guilt or innocence. Just smile and go on about your way. That's what you need to do. And, and so de-escalation is very, very important. Escalation, which I call the Karen theory, don't escalate things. Just don't. It's none of your business. You know, you see some of these poor coaches that are, are instructing kids and football and baseball and all that other good stuff. And, and they get out there and these, these people run out and yell at the referees or yell. And they, I mean, it's just, it's such a bad, bad, bad example to the children. And we all run around and wonder why kids cuss and yell and scream at their teachers because they've watched their parents do it. So we all wonder why parents abduct their children because they think they're empowered. They have no governor. You know, every single one that I've handcuffed and put on an airplane and brought back to the United States of America, like, well, I'll never get convicted. I'll never get convicted. And then at the end of the trial, as I watch the jury come in and look at their faces, I'm getting pretty good at it now, being able to know what the verdict is. And they come back with a guilty verdict. Oh, you can't do this to me. When the hell did you get entitled thinking that you make the law? You know? So there's a lot of easy ways to, to deal with escalation and de-escalation uh, in, in, in life. And, and so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. I just wanted to give you all a little food, of, uh, free foods of thought. Maybe you're going down the road, listening to this in your car, and you got your kids in the back seat, or maybe you want to share this with your 16 or 17-year-old child before they go off to college. I was speaking to one at lunch today, came over and said, hey, you're Mr. Klein. I said, I am. I shook my hand. How you doing? Good to see you. What is your name? I'm Kyle. Oh, Kyle, what you doing? Oh, I'm out shopping for linen with my mom over there. My mom knows you. Oh, hey, Sandy, what are you doing? Nothing. Listen, uh, you know, uh, my mom makes me listen to your podcasts and you give good advice sometimes. But I disagree with you. And he told me what he disagreed with. And I was so happy to say, well, I understand your disagreement. But when you get out into the big, bad world that you're fixing to get out into, the rules change very quickly, like on day one. If you're a conservative, you have a liberal professor, you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to sit down and keep your mouth shut until she offers for inter exchanging ideas. That's what colleges should be about. It's not about getting an F because you don't agree with your professor. It should be about exchanging ideas equally. And remember, folks, I'm not as smart as such And I point to Caroline because she's right there to my right. Caroline's very smart. She's got her master's degree. She's smarter than me. But it's okay not to be. That ought to be my next book. It's okay not to be a Karen. Don't ever become a Thomas Retzloff. Don't ever think you have powers you don't. Thomas Retzloff learned about his powers. Staying in bed, and someone came in there and slashed his throat and killed him. Which, there's nobody around this office that doesn't think it was a hit. Karma. It was karma in one place. But in others, he made somebody mad. And it wasn't Philip Klein. He made somebody mad. Contrary to popular belief. That's right. It's all over the internet. Oh, Philip Klein ordered a hit. 
Oh, I'm that powerful. Wow. Wizard of Oz here. I, 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 I say to all of you, don't think you have control over your life because that's the greatest thing about life. It comes up and bites you in the ass right when you didn't think it was coming. Okay. And so I hope this opportunity, and I don't want to repeat myself from other podcasts, but I think this is such an important thing to learn. This is 2022, so 12, 13 years ago, I was fighting everything except for my company. And these are the lessons I learned. Karma got Jeff Durrell. He's dead. Cancer. Three weeks later, somebody came in and killed Thomas Retzloff. He's dead. He's gone. My life has changed. Caroline's life has changed. This office is so much more loose and not with cases, that sort of thing. But everybody, you can feel the palatable change that two people can make, put you under. Now there's no more lawsuits. Now there's no more. I mean, he sued us, what, 10, 11, 12 times? Too many to count. Too many to count. That I had to take my focus off of finding your children or working cases to fight these lawsuits. And they're not, I mean, like the Dior Coons. Yeah, they're all frivolous. Like the Dior Coons case. I don't care what Browning tells you all. Browning knew he was standing right there when the judge looked at us and said, case dismissed. Now I'm going to hear about attorney's fees. The only reason we didn't go after Dior Coons for his attorney fees is he doesn't have a pot to piss in. He didn't have anything to get. He got nothing. And so why am I going to spend X amount of dollars to get a judgment, a piece of paper that says, hey, Dior, you owe me this. But Browning wants you to believe otherwise. And Browning wants to say, oh, there was no discussion. Yes, it was. You lost the case, numbnut. You lost it. And you know what? Everybody was looking at me because I was giving Alan Browning props. I give him props today. He was trying to represent his client. Would I represent Dior Coons that way? Absolutely not. He get, he made Dior look horrible other than to maybe Tanisha and a few other people. But the people that are involved with the case, the people that really know, know what happened. Now we're going to go prove it, and we're going to be real silent about it too. But the point is, is that it, it's all about how you handle situations. And I think, and many other think, that that is the secret to success. Nobody likes a boss that's an asshole. Nobody likes to deal with an investigator that's an asshole. Nobody likes to be, deal with a street cop that pulled you over for speeding as an asshole. Nobody, nobody likes to deal with that. Now, that doesn't mean he needs to come up in a little toot and terry and little fairy outfit and go, hi, I'm Officer Jones, and I'm going to give you a ticket today. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Professionalism. Hi, my name's Officer Jones. Do you know why I pulled you over today? No, sir. Always, sir or ma'am is usually a pretty good response. No, sir, I don't. Well, do you know how fast you were going? Um, the speed limit, sir. Okay. Don't drink and drive. 
Don't try to beat the system because the system in the end will beat you. Trust me, it's been tried and done time after time. Okay, so I hope this has been informative for you. I hope you get a little bit out of it. Uh, you know, you moms and dads maybe going down the road, maybe put your 16-year-olds and say, hey, we're going to go take a 45-minute car ride. I want you to listen to this guy. And see if they get something out of it. We have far too many people in our jails. We have far too many people do boneheaded things. We have far too many people that try to beat the system, and their parents are teaching them it. You moms and dads, cut it out. Really, seriously, cut it out. I mean, I know it's probably going to hurt this business, but that's okay. I'd rather hurt this business than have to go down to the morgue and watch another autopsy. And being serious. Or hold a mother in my arms crying like I did last Friday night. Mr. Klein, please find my child. And we did. 19 hours. I guess what I'm trying to say here today is take the emotion out of it, deal with what you're dealing with, and have a positive attitude. Okay? Okay, Caroline? Good? That sounds good. Okay. Listen, we thank you for listening. Uh, We're going to be back up and running. Uh, We're actually sitting in the middle of a torn-up conference room right now. We had a big... we were supposed to be doing this from our new podcast room. Yeah, but but it got flooded. (laughs) I just can't. Our offices were flooded. We can't. It's just... So now we're remodeling. It is. We are remodeling, and uh, the contractors will be in here pretty quick, and they say they're going to take a a day or two in this room that I'm sitting in, and then we'll get it back 100%. And thank God our offices didn't get blown up, uh, but uh, but a quarter of the building did, and we're, uh, we're, we're fixing it. So hopefully we'll be back spun up, running 100%, and uh, we'll let you all know how it goes. Maybe we'll even put some pictures up, huh? Yep. Okay. All right. All right. You've been listening to The Klein Files. I thank you so much for listening. Caroline Gear. Have a great weekend. And you all have a great week. Bye.